Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by sharing and showing the love of Christ and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now, here is this week's message from Pastor Floyd Hughes. Making your way back to your seats or to the hot dog bar. That's, that's okay. Stay there if that's where you're at. Um, this morning, we're going we're gonna to finish walking through our series called The Days of Noah, looking at uh, the return of Jesus, just to clear up some of the confusion and some of the misinformation that's been around about the return of Jesus. But before we do that, um, I wanted to clear up something else, because I had people asking me about this shirt. Like, just to be clear, I haven't been wearing the same shirt for the last three weeks. That's not what happened. Okay, so um, a few years ago, really quick, I think it was more than a few, 2015, 2015, uh, we did a series about the Holy Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, called Who's On First? Anyone familiar with the whole Abbott and Costello, Who's On First? Um, if you're familiar with it because of Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Fallon is familiar with it because of Abbott and Costello. That's where it came from. Right? So I had a shirt made, you know, it said 01, and on the back it said, who's on first? Because we're talking about God the Father. He's the first part of the Godhead. Uh, then I had a shirt made with a two on it, and on the back it said, what's on second? Talking about Jesus Christ. And this one has a 03 on it, um, and on the back, it says, I don't know who's on third, because most people have no idea who the Holy Spirit is. They think it's like a power, like the force or whatever, and it's not. So we did a whole teaching on that, explaining the whole Trinity, and that God is God, God the Father is God, Jesus Christ, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God. Um, so I had these shirts made up, but Christy, and you can ask her, was a little bit upset that I spent money getting these shirts made up that she said, I'm only going to wear once. So now, at least once every year, try to find a three-week sermon series and wear these shirts, which I've been doing successfully since 2015. So it's covered. So I haven't been wearing the same shirt, but that's what it's about. But uh, we're going to finish our series talking about as in the days of Noah. And here's what we're going to do. I want things to be a little bit interactive, uh, so um, it's okay to respond by raising your hand. Everybody raise a hand real quick. I mean, don't spill your readers, but yeah, okay. It's okay to also say yes or to say amen, or if you're chewing, just nod. Everybody nod. Yeah, we can all nod. Good. So here's the thing. We're going to put this to the test. because We've been doing this series called As in the Days of Noah. How many people, just by raising your hand, and be honest, it's okay, were wondering when we were ever actually going to talk about what it was like in the days of Noah. Has anyone been wondering that? No one. Okay. One person. Thank you. Thank you for being honest, all right, because some people are like, I was wondering, but I don't want to be the only one raising my hand. That's okay. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, we're going to be jumping back and forth between the books of Genesis and the books of Matthew, but here's the thing. Uh, again, I want it to be a little bit interactive, so here's what we're going to do. Uh, if you're with a group of people, either at your table or in your row, here's what we're going to do. Uh, the oldest person in the group, 
you're going to turn to the book of Genesis, because Genesis is, you know, the first book, oldest book. Okay. Uh, if you're at a table with people you don't know, don't ask them how old they are. Just somebody grab a Bible, and there you go. Go from there. Okay. Um, the youngest person that can read, you're going to grab a Bible and turn to the book of Matthew. That way, we're not turning back and forth. Uh, some people do what? Oh, do I have it the opposite? The oldest person, Genesis, youngest person, Matthew, but I have it the opposite on the screen. Okay, all right, so what I put up on the screen, just, just ignore that. So uh, here's what I'll say. This is incorrect. Oldest person turned to Genesis. Youngest person turned to Matthew. And if, I did, if you're in between, just follow along because we're going to put all the verses up here on the screen. Okay, so everyone can follow along um, and not be confused by what I just put up. All right, so uh, this should have it right. So all the people who are turning to Genesis, turn to Genesis chapter 6, okay? Um, you don't have to turn far. Go to the table of contents and one or two pages, boom, you're there. All the uh, younger folks, youngest person at the table, turn to the book of Matthew chapter 24, which we've kind of been in for a couple of weeks, last two weeks, right? And everyone else, just follow along up on screen because we're gonna we're gonna go we're gonna put all the verses up on screen. But this way, it's interactive. When you're driving home, you can ask them, "Is that what it actually said in Genesis?" So you can see I'm not making this up. Okay. Uh, so we're gonna start though, even though Genesis first. We're gonna start in the book of Matthew because that's where we've been for the last couple of weeks. So in Matthew chapter 24, verse 36 and verse 37. It says, but about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. And this is, this is the verse that we've been kind of basing this series on. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. And this is Jesus Christ talking about his return. Now, the obvious question that all of us should want to know because he says, hey, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Obvious question we should want to know is, what was life like in the days of Noah? Right? Because this is Jesus saying, hey, whatever those days were like, that's what it's going to be like when I return. And that's the only indication he gives us. So we should want to explore what exactly are those days like, right? And he gives us a little bit of information about it. Because in verse 38, he says this, For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving a marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. Now, here's the thing. That phrase, eating and drinking, doesn't mean that's all they were doing. It was a, uh, a phrase that they used for people just going about their daily lives. Like today, we would say people are out just living their best lives, just doing life, going to work, they come home, they're going to the zoo, they're going to the park, they're going to see Guardians of the Galaxy, they're just enjoying life, right? Just doing whatever they, they want to do. That's what that phrase means. The fact that they're talking about marrying and giving in marriage, meaning that they were continuing to populate the planet. Just like some of us probably have weddings lined up that we've got to go to, I've got one that I've got to do in June, all kind of stuff coming up, people just living their life. That's what this means. Now, here's the thing. Can we look at this from another perspective? Because that, that's the earthly perspective that Jesus is giving us. That's what the days were like. 
But I want to look at this from another perspective. So Genesis, folks, are you guys ready? Whoever Genesis, just nod if you're chewing. Yeah, okay. So Genesis, folks, turn to Genesis. And here's what it says in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. That word wicked, uh, it's, a, it's a Hebrew word that specifically means um, lack of anything good, but specifically intending to hurt other people, wanting to harm other people. So the norm, the everyday life in the days of Noah, that where people were eating and drinking and marrying, living their best lives, wanting to hurt other people all the live long day. That's all that people wanted to do. They, that was normal in their day. So they, they would go to work and they were thinking about hurting their employer. They were thinking about hurting their coworker. They would go home and they were thinking about hurting their spouse or their children, kicking the dog, throwing the cat out, turning the fish bowl upside down and watching the fish drown and laughing while it did. It was just madness and chaos. But that's what every person was doing. That's what life was like in that day. So to the question, what was life like in the days of Noah? Doing harm to others was a normal way of life. And hopefully, for most of us, we understand that's not the intent, right? That's, that's not what God wants for his people. That's not what God wants for a community of people to be like, to where all we do is think about hurting one another and harming one another and doing ill to one another. So the picture that God gives us, stay in Matthew, stay in Genesis, we're going to turn to Acts for a minute, very familiar verse, the picture that God gives us of life is different than what we see in, in Genesis. Because when that life was going on, God looked down and said, I'm done with humanity because all they want to do is do violence and hurt one another. But he gives us another picture of what life was like where he said, hey, this is so good, I want more and more people to come to it. So in the book of Acts, chapter 2, some of you are probably familiar with this verse. When it says they, it's talking about the early Christians, the Christians that started the church in the first century. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So they didn't have a full Bible written. All they had were the apostles saying, these are the words of Jesus Christ, and they had the Old Testament. So the apostles were like, Jesus said we should live like this. Jesus said we should love one another. Jesus said we should be uh, generous to one another. And they devoted themselves to that and to fellowship, hanging out like we do, to the breaking of bread, probably weren't putting hot dogs in it like we're doing, but breaking of bread, spending time together, and to praying for one another lifting one another up in prayer, praying for their needs, praying for family members, praying for people who are hurt. And it says everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. That word awe is the same word we looked at earlier in 1 Peter from the Greek, the Greek word phobos, that means fear. And it wasn't that they were afraid of them. They were just thinking of, look at the awesomeness of God displayed through God's people, Right? And then the next verse says this, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. 
If there was someone who was needing food, they would say, hey, I have some extra, here you go. If there was someone who was in need of, hey, we just moved in, we don't have furniture, I have extra, here you go. Or, uh, and, and we had some families in a church I was in, it was in Virginia that, that did this, right? Uh, totally different tax bracket. But when kids moved out, went off to school, got married or whatever, they said, hey, we need to move down from this big five-bedroom home to a two-bedroom home, since it's just, you know, me, the wife, and, and whoever may come visit us. And they took the resources from the sale and would donate to help other people that were in need, donate to families. When someone said, oh, I can't, I can't make my rent because I lost my job, they would like, here you go. When someone said, oh, I need, my car just broke down, they were like, hey, we'll cover the expenses. And it wasn't that they were stepping out and doing it and saying, look what I did. They would just anonymously give what they had to help people in need because that's what the church is supposed to do. And as look at this, every day, not just on Sunday, every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, food and fellowship throughout the Bible. I'm not just making that up. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So when they were being the church in that community, people weren't looking at Christians and being like, you guys are mean, you guys are, 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 are racist, you guys are this, you guys are that, you guys are hateful. They were looking at them and saying, wow, I wish I could be a part of that congregation of that group of people. I wish I had a group of people who would come around and when I'm hurting, love on me like that. When I'm in need, help meet the needs by blessing me like that. And God looked at that and said, hey, that's the type of environment and community I want my people to be a part. And so God added to that number every single day. They didn't grow the church. God grew the church because they were being the church because they were loving one another, helping one another, being there for one another, and God was like, hey, there's a person over here that's hurting, guess what, I know exactly where you can go to get the love and help and support you need and would bring them into that community, right? That's a big difference from what was going on in Noah's day because in Noah's day, work life, home life, day-to-day -day life, wicked, selfish, violent people, right? But God desires that our work life, home life, and day-to-day -day life be loving and filled with generosity, right? Those are to totally different contrasts. Now, Matthew folks, you guys ready, all the Matthew folks? All right, going back to Matthew. So this is what Jesus says. After he tells them that they were eating and drinking and giving to marriage, he says, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away that is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Now, elsewhere in the Bible, it tells us that Noah was a, a preacher of righteousness. So it's likely that Noah was telling people, hey, here's what's going to happen, and they just didn't believe him, right? It's likely that it took more than like an hour for a whole boatload of animals to come climb into the ark. So people could have asked, hey, what's going on? And Noah probably told them, right? Likely that happened. But what Jesus said is, they didn't have a clue. Many of them just didn't want to know. Many of them just didn't care, right? But uh, here's what else he says. He says this. He says, two men, this is also what he says. 
right? This is why we read the Bible in context. This is also what it will be like at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill, one will be taken and the other left. And the reason he says this is because what we talked about last week, when he returns, right, he's going to look at all those people who are his and he's going to take them away so that they don't experience this day of wrath that God pours out on humanity. And it makes sense. If you knew something bad was going to happen, you go save your family, you go grab your children, but those people who want nothing to do with you, you don't go force them, because that's kidnapping and it's illegal. So God says, hey, you guys are welcome to stay here. And the bad thing we talked about last week is there are a lot of people in the churches where I don't know if it's going to happen on a Sunday, I have no idea, but if it does, and it happens on a Sunday morning, a lot of people will be taken but a lot of people will be left because there's a lot of people that fill the church buildings but have no relationship with God, right? But he goes on and he says this, therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. And when he says keep watch, we talked about this, doesn't mean that you're looking in the sky like, is it today, is it today? It means you're living in a God-honoring way, doing everything we just talked about, loving God, loving others, helping people, being a part of a community of believers. It doesn't mean, and I get yelled at by this for pastors when I say this, it doesn't mean showing up to church every Sunday. You can show up to church every Sunday from now for the, until Christ returns. That doesn't mean that you're living your life for Christ. That's not what it's about. Just sitting in the seat, showing up in the pews, uh, that's not what it's about. What it's about is when you walk out of here on Sunday, are you treating people with the love of Christ? Are you loving people the way that God loves us? That's what it's about, right? But then he says this also, but understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch, and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Jesus is making it crystal clear. We need to continue to live our lives for Christ. I had a conversation with multiple people this week uh, that, that like had, I had to call them or they, they called me because of just the struggles and pains that are going on in this world. And they were like, I, we're, I don't feel God's presence in this. I don't feel like God is here when week after week after week they're shooting after shooting after shooting. When week after week after week there are people who are losing their businesses because they can't afford to stay in business. Week after week after week people are hurting. And I'm like, hey, week after week after week we have to put our faith in the fact that God loved us enough that he sent his son to die upon a cross for us and that he is coming back for us. And we can't change what everyone in the world does but we can change the way we treat people in the world, which hopefully might make a difference in their life. Because if we are the ones who are loving them, if we are the ones who encourage them, that may, make, might make just enough difference to make them aware that there is a God who loves them as well. There are so many people hurting in this world. You, you, I mean, I wish I had time to tell you how many messages, and, and I'm sure I'm not the only one that pastors receive all the time from people who are going through struggles in their marriages, struggles because they lost their job, struggles because of finances, struggles in, in, because of health, and, and all kind of stuff. And a lot of times, and I'm sad to say this, they turn to the church, and the church either turns them away because they're not a member, 
or because they don't give, or because they feel like we have other priorities. Our priority is to get people into the building. None of those will you see listed in the Bible as what God calls his people to do. He calls us to love them to the extent that we can, to help them, and to be there for them. All right, so now, um, Genesis, folks. You guys ready again? Back to Genesis. So after, right, this is after the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become and, and every thought was evil. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled. And some people use this to say, see, God doesn't know everything because he didn't know those people were going to do that. And I say, actually, he did know they were going to do that. But it was still troubling. If you have a child that you know, and don't look at any of your children if they're in the room, if you have a child that you know is going to make some not-so-bright decisions, when they make that decision, it still hurts your heart. It breaks your heart. You're not happy about it. None of us look there and say, yep, I told you so. I knew you were going to end up in prison, in a broken marriage, uh, in an addiction, in drugs, in, in whatever situation even though we're trying to tell them not to, even when we know, yep, they're going to make that decision, it still breaks our hearts, just like it broke the heart of God. Right? Then it says this, So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created, and with them the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And just like when Jesus returns, those people who are the righteous, who say, yeah, I want to be a part of God's kingdom, God's going to say, come with me. Those who say, I just want to keep living the way that I am, hurting people, doing violence, God's going to say, have at it, stay where you are, right? But then it says this, and this is important. God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all the people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. Hear this clearly. It wasn't God saying people are just angry and mad and want to hurt one another, and he said, I'm just going to, you know, wipe people from the earth. It was that people were hurting one another. Homes were filled with violence. Wives and children were being abused. Coworkers were shoot. well, they didn't have guns, but killing one another. People were killing one another in the fields. They were killing one another at homes, killing one another in the marketplace, and robbery and stealing. And we say, how could a world be that bad? But yet every single day, we turn on the news, and we see more violence. Someone, and we don't even just take mass shootings off the table. And if you turn on the news in almost every city, at least in our nation, somebody got shot last night from a party, from a club, from a something. Those don't make the news as much because now there's so many mass shootings where three or four or five people were killed. But last night, I can guarantee you, in almost every city in our nation, somebody got stabbed, somebody got shot, somebody got beat up, somebody got robbed, and people are moving out of the cities because of it. I was uh, driving this past week, listening to the radio, and they were talking about a woman who just drove up to a stop sign, and people came from either side, tried to jump into her car, and she had to just floor it, almost getting into an accident. This is the world we live in, where violence is becoming, and here's, here's what's really said. Most of us, and it's just the way it is, we're like, yeah, 
That, that's just the way it is. We, we, we expect to turn on the news and see what violent thing happened last night because that's the world we live in. So it is not hard to imagine a world where it's filled with violence all the live long day. But then he goes on and he says this, right? He says, I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens. Every creature that has the breath of life in it, everything on earth will perish, but I will establish my covenant with you and you will enter the ark you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. So from this perspective, uh, they were saved because God said, hey, I'm going to establish a covenant with you, covenant meaning a contract, a relationship, and from you, I'm going to repopulate the earth. So that's why they were saved, and that's why the ark was built. When Jesus returns, he's not going to establish a covenant with us. He's going to be fulfilling the covenant that he already has with us, where he says everyone who steps across the line of faith and puts their trust and faith in the finished work of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, he says that you will spend an eternity with me. He's not going to return to establish the covenant. He's going to return to fulfill the covenant. And from that point on, those of us who are taken with him will get to spend an eternity with God. Because this, this world where there's just violence and wicked and selfishness is not what God wants. It literally hurts the heart of God to see people treating one another that way. And what we said, what he wants is that life of we're in our homes and day-to-day where we're loving and filled with generosity, instead of having us try to recreate that, he's going to take us to a place where that already exists, which is the kingdom of God in heaven. That's why when we pray, we pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, which means holy and sanctified, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's not being done on earth. So God's going to come and take us to heaven. That's what it's like and was like in the days of Noah. That's what it's going to be like when Jesus returns. That's what we're seeing our world move slowly, ever so slowly, more and more towards every single day. I'm going to ask you guys to stand and we're going to close with a time of prayer. God, we realize that we live in a world where there are people who are hurting, there are people who are in need, there are people who just don't know that you exist. But we also live in a world where those of us who know that there is a God who loved us so much that he sent his son to die on the cross and pay the penalty for our sins, we pray that we do the work that you have called us to do, which is to share with others about the love of Christ to show them the love of Christ. And then when the opportunity is available, to invite them to be recipients of your amazing love. God, we realize that as your word says, we have no idea when you're going to return. But we do realize that we absolutely have a responsibility to tell people that you will return. And we pray that we take this to heart. We pray that we 100% are able to go out into our homes, in our schools, in our workplaces without being pushy, without beating people over the head and just share the love of Christ with folks in our circles of influence. And we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ.
And everyone said, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Pray you guys have an awesome uh, rest of your Sunday. And forgive me, I did not do this, so we're going to kind of pretend that we all have a TARDIS and go back in time and that I did do it. I'm going to pray for the food. God, we thank you so much for the food allowing us to gather. Pray that you bless this food to our bodies. Bless everyone who brought something. Bless all of those who are here who showed up to fellowship and to enjoy this time together. We give you thanks and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Everyone said Amen. Amen. Amen.